You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? Welcome to the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. I'm Jo Mernier, and today I'm speaking with Caleb Parker from Bold, who's here to talk to us about all things space as a service, the future of work, and challenging the status quo. So first, a little background. Caleb's the former CEO of MeetingRooms.com, a global online marketplace. And prior to that, he co-founded a tech startup in 2012 to create the first global distribution system for on-demand office and meeting space. Caleb's earlier career moves included being part of the Regis Group's management team in Washington, D.C., and co-founding a flexible workspace consulting firm. Today, Bold is part of the new Flex family by Newable, which we're going to hear more about in just a moment. So hello, Caleb, and welcome to our Future of Work podcast. Hey, Joe. We were just uh, chatting about how it's been a couple of years since we've been in person, but yeah. it's great. it's great to connect with you virtually again. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's really good to talk to you. And I remember that it was, um, we were just saying how strange it is that it was an actual in-person conference full of people in London by eOffice, I think it was. Yep. Um, and, and that does, it seems worlds away at the moment, but we'll get back there someday, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like 30 years ago now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's get started. So first of all, in your, in your best version of a 20 second pitch, can you tell us in a nutshell what Bold is and what it does? Uh, yeah, in a nutshell, we help asset owners keep their customers happy and drive value across their portfolio. Um, I, I like to call it future-proofing their assets. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, we help them meet the growing demand for customers today to bring in hospitality and flexibility into their business. Uh, we do that through our spaces as a service platform and brand. And tell us a little bit about the process, because when I was uh, reading up on your website, you say that you can rejuvenate a dormant space in just three weeks, which sounds pretty fast to me. So can you um, tell us how it works from start to finish? Well, certainly. Uh, and, you know, that de- obviously depends on what shape the space is in. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, we just we just modeled a space that a certain brand was in, um, and it's nearly ready to go. It doesn't take much CapEx, but a typical Cat A space um, would take about eight to 10 weeks um, to mm-hmm. sort of turn around and, and go live. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, our job is to help our landlord clients protect their the valuation of their portfolios, um, Mm -hmm. but also meet the ROI objectives of of the particular asset. And every asset has a different business plan and strategy. So for us, it's crucial to understand these dynamics uh, before we determine a strategy that's going to drive the right economics um, and meet the the plan of of that asset. But I think I I really want to say that you know, everything we do is driven by our desire to make it easier for entrepreneurs to succeed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, today, I think we might come on to this a little bit, but while technology might have freed us all from being chained to a desk in an office every single day, and -hmm. we can work remotely, we do need a place to come together with our team uh, or our customers. But historically, commercial real estate hasn't been friendly to entrepreneurs. And Mm -hmm. I won't go into all the details around that, um, but the industry has been built around making money specifically for the investors and not putting the customers at the center of the universe. And, Mm And that's what we're doing. We're helping the asset owners uh, put the customer at the center of the universe. Okay. 
And when you talk about the entrepreneurs, these are pe- the people who are using your space, not the people who, who own it. Is that right? That's right. The, we, we call them customers. Our, our clients are mm-hmm. the asset owners themselves, and the customers are the people that use the building. And yeah. I call them entrepreneurs, um, but it doesn't mean necessarily they own their own business um, because entrepreneurial people come in all shapes, sizes, and ages and forms. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them work in corporate, and some of them have their own business. And And the space that you um that you build out it could be meeting space it could be workspace uh is there one particular type of space that dominates them all well we have what we call full stack commercial real estate uh mm-hmm. in, in our platform and um we believe a building um should service all the building users with the same integrated customer experience so when we go into an asset we help them determine what customers experience they want to deliver. And that could range from a well-being layer, a retail layer, um, certainly co-working and meeting rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be, you know, private spaces for teams or, you know, plug and play offices or traditional leases. Mm -hmm. Um, But but we wrap all that into a hospitality service layer that we deliver for that, for that asset owner. Okay. And, one thing that really caught my eye about your your bio is that you say you want to challenge the status quo. So, can you tell us what you mean by that? Personally, um, I am I don't like to, f- to follow trends. I mean, I I I will be part of a trend sometimes if I really like it, but it's not because everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think um, challenging the status quo for me it's it's about it's about solving problems, and often problems exist because people are just happy with the status quo. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to change, but so our mission at Bold is is to support entrepreneurial people, as I said, and people who are bold. And, I, and to me, I think Bold's about taking risks to improve the world. And that first risk is when we, you know, share ideas that challenge the status quo and that that sort of solve these problems. And you know, that's for us. It's I feel like that's moments we often feel vulnerable and exposed. But that's that's the exact moment that we need to be bold because that's how we innovate and improve the world. Absolutely. And talking of being bold, you're now part of the Newflex family, which is part of the Newable um, umbrella. Um, and pre-COVID, you announced plans to open 25 plus new bold locations over the next three years. Uh, so can you tell us more about more about that, more about teaming up with Newflex and, and what it means for bold? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, when we when we launched that full stack model I talked about a moment ago, mm-hmm. um, as part of our space as a service platform, we had some really good meetings with landlords, and we needed a finance partner to get the deals across the line. Yeah. And so, after a few months of discussions with with the Newflex team, that conversation pivoted to more of an acquisition conversation. Okay. Um, and so, our visions what we learned is our visions were aligned and um, Newflex had this vast experience and a client network that was already existing. And um, not to mention the infrastructure they have across the UK with all of their existing locations. Um, so we felt that we really could grow the bold brand through a partnership with Newflex. And, mm-hmm. you know, look, and we like them as people and that was really important. There was this level of trust that we built up over those months of discussion. So you know, we're absolutely excited to be part of Newflex now, and I like to call us the Marriott of spaces of service nice. because we're, we're we're a family of of brands that range from like a premium to a premium economy to economy, and um, as a group, we have this a solid track record of partnering with these asset owners on management agreements. And I was just looking the other day, 
Um, we're actually the largest space as a service operator in the UK now to deploy the management agreement model. We've done oh, wow. 80. We've done 80 to date. Eight Fantastic. zero. Yeah. Oh, fun. That's that's great news. So that's quite a quite a change in direction, but it sounds like a lot of a lot of learning and uh, evolution has gone on over the past uh, past few months. Well, certainly, it's 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 kind of it was strange in the beginning going from you know being a startup where you know you're sort of working twenty four seven and everything was you had to figure it out, and now we still yeah. work twenty four seven, but um, now we have a team of two hundred people across the country. If if I don't know something, somebody else does. That's fantastic. And um, before Newflex, I understand that you um, were offered a finance deal with um, a, a different partner that you turned down. Um, so I'm just interested in the thought process behind that. You know, it must have taken quite a lot of soul searching and, and decisions on your part. So can you tell us a little bit more about the, the, the thinking process behind that and what you learned from it? Sure. Yeah, it was it was actually it was a very difficult decision. Um, yeah, I bet. And, um, you know, when you have somebody that sort of starts believing in you and, you know, they want to invest in, but they wanted us to launch, um, with a different brand, um, a budget brand and, you know, which nothing, there's nothing wrong with budget brands by any means. We have, we have a budget brand in our group now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm a big believer in brand and I think brands have to be authentic and we created bold with a specific customer in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I've already talked about the entrepreneurial people um, who challenged the, stat- the status quo and people people like like us, you know, pe- bold people. So um, we didn't feel like we could be authentic if if we didn't launch the bold as the brand that we created. Yeah. So we had to walk away from that deal. And it sounds like you made the right decision. And we, we're going to have to talk about the elephant in the room, which, of course, is covid and you've been in the meetings, events, and the hospitality industry for for some years now. Um, and you know, we people all over the country, all over the world, in fact, the past six months has been pretty um, pretty unusual. And and for those who um, are working, we've had to move on to video calls to be able to collaborate. You know, as we said before, these in person meetings feel worlds away at the moment. Um, in your perspective, how do you see us coming out of this experience? And do you think the meeting sector is, you know, about to be bombarded with with bookings from people who are desperate to get back into a real workplace with real people, or do you think we've sort of lapsed into this slightly comfortable home experience with with Zoom? I mean, I, I think I'd be, I wouldn't be authentic if I told you I knew the answer. Um, yeah. I, I can't tell the future, but you know, I have I have obviously my opinions, and I think that um, I think both. I think all of the above. Um, because every one of us is different. I'll tell you a story. Back in um, 2011 or 12, when when we started investing in the platform to become this global distribution system for um, on-demand meetings, at the time, mm-hmm. um, I, I had my flexible workspace brokerage, and we had a client that um, called up, and he, he had recently. This is right after the you know a couple years after the global financial crisis. So he used to have this big office, he downsized, and he had this one office that they were paying about three grand a month for. This is in the States. Mm-hmm. And um, they had, we went from 20 people to five people, but they all worked remotely at the time. This is pre-COVID. This is what, almost a decade ago now. Mm. And um, they weren't using the office every day. They were all working remotely, but they had to have that office for meetings. And it turns out they only were using the office for 21 hour meetings a month, but they were paying three grand a month for it. Yeah. 
So we ended up getting them on a plan with, um, I, I think it might've been car workplaces in DC, someone like that um, back then and um, saved them 90%. And at the time I started thinking like, gosh, is this the future? And mm. um, I even wrote a blog piece about it, but um, I didn't think it was going to take a global pandemic to get us here. And what I see now is that, um, you know, we, yes, people do want to get back face to face, but no, people don't want long commutes. Mm. And so I think the future is a combination of all of the above. And will the meetings and events world see a spike? Well, I think when we get past the point of where we have to have social distancing, um, I don't see people rushing back in the office all at once every single day, but mm -hmm. I do see people needing a place to go to meet face to face. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I'm one of the many who are getting a bit sick of working from home on my own. <laughs> I love working from home, but I also <laughs> like seeing people. So I want the choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, back in 2017, it was, uh, we featured Bold in an article for allwork.space. Um, and that was, I believe, when you just launched the brand. Is that mm -hmm. right? That's right. Yeah. And at the time, you said that uh, Bold met the growing demand for micro office consumption, which is flexible workspace by the, the month, the day and by the hour. Um, and one thing I've noticed is that during the current situation, a lot of flexible workspaces are looking to offer hourly, ac hourly access to, um, to their workspaces to try and attract more local, uh, more home based businesses and teams. So do you think this could be another trend that's set to become the norm? I think it could be a big um, part of the sector, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, Pre-COVID, if you looked in any coffee shop, you saw meetings taking place all the time. Some of those mm -hmm. meetings are fine to have, but often, and I was in a coffee shop once, and I overheard some financial advisor sharing his way too much information in public with his client. Mm -hmm. um, he should have been in the meeting somewhere. Um, and I, I think now with people working from home and, you know, even if we get to a postcode environment where people still want to work from home often, uh, not everybody has a good work from home environment. Mm -hmm. um, but the concept of working from anywhere, if you can work close to home and you can have access instead of commuting in an hour, 45 minutes or two hours um, into your office, if you could have access to a professional environment outside of your home, but close to your home um, for the day, great. And if you could do it for the meetings that you want, that you need mm -hmm. to have, then why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you book a space for the day or for a couple of hours? Absolutely. And there seems to be this shift where uh, we're moving from a work at home to a work near home. Uh, as you say, people want shorter commutes, um, if any commute at all. And there seems to be this push towards more um, regional, suburban, even rural locations for flexible workspace. And do you see Bold becoming pushing into the suburbs a little bit more in the future? So I'm going to put my new flex hat on for a moment and answer that yeah. question. I think, you know, looking across the country um, at, 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 as a group, but also in some of my uh, friends in the industry um, in recent conversations I've had, when, when you look at the city center locations versus the suburban locations, certainly there's been an uptick in occupant, return to occupancy in the closer to home locations. Oh, and that makes sense because you can, make a building COVID secure to the extent you can, um, but people still have to get there. And if they have to take public transportation um, right now in COVID, um, there's a lot of people that don't want to take that risk. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think post COVID um, we'll see 
the quality of life aspect of reduced commute time coming into play. So I think the hub and spoke model that we keep hearing about mm-hmm. uh, in, in the circles online, in the thought leadership circles, I think that is going to be a thing. Um, and I think that we'll see smaller city center hubs that become destinations for people to come in a couple of times a week, mm. but then ha- give those people access to the spoke pieces outside of the city center where people can still go and have places that they can be around other people. Maybe people they work with, maybe they don't, yeah. but at least they have a place to go outside of their home. Absolutely. And you mentioned before that some of your locations have a well-being layer and this situation we're in, it's all about well-being, isn't it? Um, so I was just interested, what type of well-being measures have you seen at some of your bold locations? Um, this doesn't have to be COVID related, but just uh Wellness in general, what kind of um, initiatives have you um, installed there? Well, I think well-being and, and wellness uh, pre-COVID was almost a, a tick box exercise for a lot of companies. They, mm-hmm. they, they did it to say they did it. Um, but I think a lot of the, the forward-leaning companies, the, the folks who were trying to take care of their people, uh, and, and I'm not saying that in a in a very um, mean mean way to the, those who didn't, but um, mm-hmm. those who were looking out for their people, they they took well being serious. And you know, you think about the big companies like Facebook and Google of the world; um, they had both mental and physical well being taken care of. So, if someone is going to be giving you the majority of their waking hours in a week, um, we need to be giving back and making sure that they're comfortable and that could mean I'm just going to put out a couple of things, but it's not limited to this. That that could that could mean a nice yoga studio, um, classes that you can take. It could be your own self service workout facility. Um, it could be meditation rooms, quiet mm-hmm. areas, places you can sort of get away from um, the noise and the distractions. Um, but taking that well being um, seriously and understanding what people need that's Mm. what that's what companies should be asking yeah and that's so important isn't it and everybody has their own individual needs which poses quite a challenge to companies I should think but at the same time if you can tap those individual needs and serve them then that's just going to be absolutely that's that's just what companies need for motivation engagement and and productivity absolutely and I I think this is why our industry is is so good because uh, most companies aren't the Google or Facebook of the world and they can't Mm -hmm. Uh, invest in that sort of infrastructure, um, but by becoming part of our by customers of our industry, and we provide that for them on a shared cost basis, it enables mm-hmm. them to compete for the same talent that Facebook and Google does. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're quite heavily involved with the MICE industry. The um, correct me if I'm wrong. The meetings, conferences, <laughs> and events industry, mice. <laughs> mice. We call it the mice industry, and it's not rodents. Um, it's <laughs> meetings, meetings, um, incentive travel, conferences, and events. Wow. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about that sector and and what's what's your role with it? Well, my career has sort of always straddled hospitality and commercial real estate, and a big part of the hospitality part has been in the events industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, events, just like commercial real estate, events is a big economic driver for, for most um, cities and countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the, I really got my feet wet in the events industry in mm-hmm. 2013 when I came over here to the UK as part, as part of the mediumrooms.com uh, company. And um, in, in the UK, 
at the time, the events industry represented $43 billion, um, but small meetings represented um, about $400 million. So it was a percentage, but but it's been growing ever since. And you know, going back to the whole technology drivers, um, small meetings has been a fast growing industry. And if you look at most of the inquiries, most of the bookings that take place across the UK prior to COVID, um, mm-hmm. was in the small events space. Um, so certainly in our industry, most of our um, spaces have some sort of small meeting facility. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I've been involved in the mice industry uh, for quite some time. Um, I was actually on the board of an events agency as well um, right. uh, for a few years. And how do you see uh, this this world of, of uh, tourism and conferences and events? How do you see it getting back to some sort of normal? Well, I think looking ahead at the events industry, we have we have a similar challenge. It's, it's almost a parallel to what we see in the office world is that people are now used to going to these virtual events and the events mm-hmm. industry has sort of had to reinvent itself as a, as a virtual uh, events industry to keep people connected and uh, motivated and sharing the information in different ways. Um, so when we come out or when we start getting back to where we can come back together, even though I think right now, if you're a COVID secure venue, you can still have an event for 30 people. You can't have one for 30,000 people. You shouldn't be. But mm-hmm. when we, when we start coming out of that, are people going to, go back to live events or are they just going to want to tune in online like they have in the past? And I think the same thing is going to, um, the same answer is going to be there for, for the office world is mm-hmm. that some will continue logging in and consuming the event virtually and others will come and be at the event in person because it's, you get a, you just get a different feeling when you're there in person at an event, when, whether it's an exhibition and you're shaking hands with people or whether you're watching, you know, someone or a panel discussion, it's just different being there in person. Mm, very much. Yeah. And, um, and for the near term as well, we're sort of, there's this hybrid meeting going on where we have, we, we might get some people in the meeting room, but because we're not allowed to have maybe a whole team in there, you've also got the rest of your team on a video so you've got this kind of mix of digital and, and in-person um, collaboration going on. And has that um, has that changed what companies are asking for at Bold? Well, I, I don't think the hybrid is going to be just a near-term thing. That's going to stay around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think um, there's there's lots of benefits to that. Um, I mean, the mid of, the current benefit is is social distancing. Of course, you have you know some people in in the room keep a distance and you enable other people to, to come in. Well, I think that means that as, as venues, as spaces, we need to make sure that our tech is up to speed, our Wi-Fi is excellent, our internet, our bandwidth is excellent. Mm. Um, and, but we need to be able to facilitate uh, these hybrid meetings, not just in the near term, but long term. Yeah, absolutely. And we're nearing the end of our episode, but what are your thoughts on the future of work, big picture? I know that's quite a big question, but <laughs> we, we know that we can't all work from home forever. We don't want to work from home forever. Um, remote work, you know, it's kind of a sticking plaster for the current situation. But, you know, longer term, we need to get people back into offices and meeting rooms um, and we need to get back into the uh, face to face collaboration. So, you know, in your view, what, what does the future of work look like? Well, I, I think we have an opportunity right now to really redefine everything. And, you know, we've had this elephant in the room of AI and automation eating jobs. That's not going to go away. That's going to continue. But I think what companies now can do, and, and many are, um, is we aren't limited to recruiting in our backyard. 
we mm-hmm. we can hire people any from anywhere now. We've seen this. We've been doing it. You know, we've been working remotely the past six seven months. So um, I think it opens so many possibilities for companies. So mm-hmm. um, I think that it's going to change and revolutionize the way people interact with office space, the way people interact in cities where people live. Um, and so I think the future is, is no one has a crystal ball, but mm-hmm. I, th- I yeah. think that the future is not going to like the past. And I think we're um, going into a, a very much human centric. And when I say human centric, it's the knowledge based economy, but it's the feelings that only we humans can do because as we move into automation, the robots can do a lot of things that we do that's repeatable. They can do all those things, but they'll spit out the data for us humans to be able to make decisions on because we're the ones who come up with ideas. Robots can't create ideas. So the future is all about ideas. Mm-hmm. And that in turn, and this improvement in technology, um, and that will change the way that people find and book space in the future as well, won't it? It will improve access. Well, absolutely. Um, we sh- we should be in my in my view. I don't know why it's you know it's 2020 now. I mean, well, 2020 anything's possible now, but it's 2020. We shouldn't have had a global pandemic that mm. enabled people to be able to access um, space on demand or choose when and where they work. This is something that you know I thought would have happened years ago, but mm. I think now um, being able to just pull out your phone and book a space wherever you want, wherever you are, whenever you need it. In real time, I mean that should be common sense. Absolutely. And before we finish, what's what's next for Bold? What's in the pipeline? What can we look forward to to hearing about? Well, um, we are finalizing a couple of deals right now uh, mm-hmm. to to open our first couple of spaces in um, in the new year. Right. Um, we're really excited about that. Um, our Everything we thought we would do in 2020, I think we will do in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it, unless 2021 says tw- says hold my beer to 2020, <laughs> then we're all screwed. But um, <laughs> um, no, I think I think um, our strategy hasn't changed at all. Um, we we, will, we expect to open 25 bold locations, bold buildings over the next um, two to three years in the UK, and um, we'd we'd love to we'd love to be in the continent and in the US at some point. Oh, that's exciting. And and these, these 25 locations, will they be around London or will they be further across the UK or can't you tell us yet? Uh, we are looking at opportunities all across the UK in okay. most of the major markets. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing you in Northampton. Yep. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, now, now, now we have some demand there. <laughs> we'll come open one just for you, Joe. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so um, just to finish off, I know you have your own podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about that and also how listeners can find out more about about Bold? Sure. Thank you. Um, Well, when I was having conversations with landlords the past couple of years um, about space as a service and about management agreements and about full stack CRE, um, I got a lot of interest. Um, Also got thrown out of the office metaphorically a couple of times, but there was a lot of questions and, and even, you know, some objections to what the future might look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we launched the work bold podcast um, to be able to answer a lot of these questions. And, um, you know, we have had some really been fortunate to have some really great people come on and share their insights um, uh, on space as a service, anything from customer experience uh, to 
customer demand to valuations and how to do management agreements versus leases, all these things we've been answering mm-hmm. the questions. So that's on Workbold podcast. You can go to um, workbold.co slash podcast or search Workbold in any podcast app you use. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you can also find the Bold website. It's workbold.co. And, and I have to say, give a shout out to NewFlex. Um, their website is newflex.com. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Thank you, Caleb, for joining us on the Future of Work podcast. And we look forward to having you on again someday. Thank you so much, Joe. It's great to chat with you. You too. Take care. Cheers. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?